It is um, really important that we, as we, you know, walk with Jesus. I mean, the the things that God bless you that we've been uh, singing about are are true because G, that we are indeed secure in Him because He's going to lead us to very unsecure places. Um, as we're walking with Jesus, He's going to lead us to very dangerous places. He's going to lead us, I mean, as we were singing, he's going to split the sea for us. But the thing is, he's going to split the sea for us to enter into the places where we're filled with anxiety, where we're filled with with fear. Um, But we're secure in him. But the places that he will take us will be to face our fear and anxiety, our pain, um, our, our anger, our hatred. Um, that, that's, that's what, if we're walking, as we're learning from Jesus today, as we're following with him, he leads us in those places. So it, we have to know that, that he is the almighty one and we are secure in him. Uh, because it's going to seem like the place he's, he's taking us is the very place of our demise. But it's really the place of life. And, that, that's, what, and that's what we'll see as we, as we learn from him. Because I mean, Jesus will teach us stuff that is upside down, inside out. As my old football coach used to say, it's cattywampus. <laughs> and that's, that's where he leads us um, into those places. So it is crucial that as what we've been singing, that we are secure in him. That he does split the seas. And so that we might walk into the places, but those places he calls us to walk into are, are places of anger and hatred and anxiety and worry and fear. But he strengthens us to walk there because nobody naturally does. I mean, no, nobody naturally goes into those places, right? But that's where he's going to take us because he's going to lead us to life there. All right, well, let, let's pray um, together. Almighty God, thank you for your written word. Thank you for what you teach us and, and for how the ways you lead us into life to the full. Help us to hear from you today. Lord, help us to, to put down whatever our defenses might be so that we might hear from you. Um, open our mind, our heart, expand our very soul to, to receive from you now and that you would impact and Change us as we hang with you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, so our passage today as we're walking with Jesus, this is his first uh, real significant sermon, really his largest uh, sermon in all of the the Gospels where he preaches um, and and teaches his his followers. And it's in Luke chapter 6, starting with verse 20. It's found on page 838 of your uh, pew Bible. And so Jesus has just called his disciples, and he's, he's with them. He's been busy doing all kinds of healing and all kinds of stuff, and now he, his disciples are with him, and now he teaches them. Um, then he, Jesus, looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. 
Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For surely your reward is great in heaven. For that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, maybe, yeah. So, Jesus is telling, this is his, you know, this is his, his stump speech, right? I mean, this is his leading campaign speech. Blessed are the poor, hungry, crying, and persecuted. Blessed are those. And the people that better watch out, the, the people that are cursed, woe to them, are the rich, well-fed, laughing, and popular. See, that's cattywampus. I mean, what, what's he getting at? Why, why is this the case? Why are the poor blessed and, and the rich are cursed? This is what I think in a, in a phrase, in a word or two. The rich, the well-fed, the laughing, and the popular don't need anything. We're unaware of our need for Jesus in everyday life. When we're hungry, right? When we're weeping, right? When we're poor, we need help. It could be even that the, the rich, the well-fed, the laughing, that they, they have Jesus, but they just have him for heaven. You know, yeah, I know I'll need him before God, but in life I'm good. Yeah, everyday life, I'm good. Now that's that's why it is blessed to be to be poor, uh, to be to be hungry, uh, to to be weeping. Because the best thing that any of us can do, as Helen was sharing with us, is to seek Jesus. I mean, Jesus mentions this, and the Scriptures mention this a number of times. Another time is in Revelation chapter 3, verse 17. It's the beginning of Revelation when the Spirit, when Jesus really, through the Spirit, through John, is talking to the different churches. So, Revelation three seventeen. This is to the church in Laodicea. It says, For you say, I am rich. I have prospered and I need nothing. So Jesus telling this to the church in Laodicea. This is what you think. You know, that you, you feel like you're rich, you've prospered, you know, that you need nothing. You're good. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Therefore, I count you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich. And white robes to clothe you and to keep the shame of your nakedness from being seen. And salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. So that you will be rich in the eternal heavenly way. 
in the fullness of life. That, that, we're, the, the things of this world, the, the, the riches and the woes of this world, the, the, the hunger and the satisfaction of this world, one of the things that it can do is totally blind us to our real need for Jesus every day of our lives. And that's why when we are poor and hungry and weeping, that we are blessed because we know we need Jesus and we take the time to be with Him. And that's why it's blessed. It's like saying this, that you know, blessed is the car that air conditioner doesn't work and the radio doesn't work, especially on a day like today. Because when your radio doesn't work and your, wind, your air conditioner is broken, then your window's got to be down. And as you're driving around in your blessedness, you're going to hear your brakes squeak and you're going to know the brakes need to be changed. And so you're going to take it in and get them changed. But if your air conditioner works and your radio is on loud and then you're driving around, tooling around, and you never hear your brakes squeak, and when you do know it, it's too late because the light has turned red and you're, boom, into the car right in front of you. It's blessed when our air conditioner doesn't work. It's blessed. Some of y'all still aren't going with me. Blessed. When your radio doesn't work because you hear your brakes squeak. When we're hungry, we're crying, we're poor, we see ourselves in our own sin every day. And we see the sin that is around us. And we see the brokenness of our world and the need that we have for Jesus. And that that is the best place to be all the time. In a way, the other stuff is just secondary compared to that. Now, what Jesus does, and he then gives us two examples. He takes us deeper into the ways of Jesus that are so different than the ways of the world. And as he shows us the ways, what it means to follow him, he's going to show us our own brokenness. And he's going to lead us to places of seeing our own hunger, of, 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 of weeping at our own sin, and just how far we are from the way that Jesus would have us be. And what he's going to tell us, uh, there's two, two basic things. Love your enemies, not just your friends. And spotlight your own sin, not just the sin of your friends and your enemies. Love the people that hate you. Love the people who have hurt you. Love the people who want to hurt you. That's the way of Jesus. Don't just love the people that like you. Don't just love the people that are good to you. All right. Verse 27, 28, and and 31 here then in uh, this passage. But I say to you that, listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. And do to others as you would have them do to you. It's interesting just for that part. Recognize the context of this golden rule. 
Golden Rule isn't just, well, be a person of love. It's in the context of love your enemies that he teaches us the Golden Rule. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Now, I don't tread lightly here. This is real stuff here. In a group this big, there are a number of you who have been abused. There are a number of you who have been wronged. A number of you who have been maligned in front of others. And that's real. And it's evil. That's evil what has been done to you. So I don't, I, I no way want to whitewash that. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. But he is saying to follow me, to walk with me, means you act like me. And the ones who have maligned me and hurt me, I loved them to the point of the cross. You see why we're weeping now? And to do that, that's not going to be in my own power. That's only going to be if Jesus is alive in me. It's not something I'm going to be able to do, and you're not going to be able to help me. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit within you that the people who have hurt you or who are out to hurt you, that I now love them. Now, what that, that doesn't mean that's not emotion. Love here is not emotion. This is not romantic love. This is not you've got to conjure up positive feelings about them. This is you've got to act according to what is best for them. That's what love is. That's true biblical love is that I am, no matter what it costs me, I'm going to act on what is best for the ones that are trying to hurt me. Now, that, and what we just sang, too, you know, he's going to split the water so you can walk into that. Yeah, we were singing that, right? And we were singing it with meaning and gusto. He's going to split the water so that I can walk right through it. Well, he's meaning stuff like this. He's going to split the water so that we can walk right through that. And it's not happening in our power. It's only happening in the power of Jesus. Now, this doesn't mean we whitewash things. This doesn't mean we just let, ah, what he did was okay. Ah, what he did wasn't so bad. No. If it was evil, it was evil. And it is not loving for you to say another person has committed evil against you. It is not loving of you to say, ah, that was nothing. The most loving thing you can do to another who has sinned against you is to tell them clearly, you have sinned against me. That's the most loving thing that you can do. And and that's, that's just not natural human tendencies. Our natural human tendencies are to sweep things under the rug, right? We don't want to enter into things of anxiety or things of anger or hatred. We want to deny it. We want to push it down. But no, He will split the water so that we can go right into it and bring healing in those places of anger and hatred. I mean, Dr. King said it well. I mean, it's a great sermon um, on 
um, uh, loving your enemies. And you can go Google it and look that up. And it's, I mean, because, I mean, he had people doing evil to him all the time, right? I mean, he had people blowing up his house, threatening his children. And his call and his reminder over and over again was you don't fight hate with hate. We, we call what is evil, evil, but we don't hate the one that did it. He's one of, really one of the first ones that said, you know, that old little saying, it's sort of hackneyed today, you know, love the, the sinner but hate the sin. Actually, he is one of the people that first said that. You know. He says, here you come to the point that you love the individual who does the evil deed while hating the deed that the person does. Again, it doesn't mean you just overlook it. It doesn't mean, well, it's okay. No, we call it evil. But in the power of Jesus, the one who's done it to us now, we seek to act on their best behalf. We refuse to get caught into the spiral downward of hatred and anger that just destroys everybody. Jesus continues in verse 35 and and 36. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. A couple things here. I mean, He said your reward will be great. And this, this is the way of life, the way of love, even in the face of hatred. This is the way of life. There is There is no medical study or survey that I've ever run across that says living in anger and hatred is good for you. There's none. I mean, anger is going to come. And anger in its right place is good to show us something's out of kilter here. And that comes up and we, we then engage with that and engage with our surroundings. When there's hatred within us, well, why? Where is that from? But we, we have to engage with that, say where that's coming from, but we don't live in it. Because anger and hatred will destroy you. It is not what we were created for. And there is no physician that I know anywhere that says, yeah, go for it. Hatred brings life. And the thing is, it will not only destroy you, it will destroy your capacity for relationships with others. Because that anger is going to come out with others. You're going to practice living in anger. Well, then it's going to come out when, when you're relating to your spouse or you're relating to your parents or you're relating to your kids or you're relating to the ones that you really do like and love. It's going to show up there if you're living in hatred anywhere. So it is, it is wise that we engage with, again, the evil that has been perpetrated against us. But know this, what Jesus is most about, most concerned about, is developing our character to be like His. So even in these evil situations, he's about developing us to be more and more like him. 
And that's, we'll be more and more like Him. We'll, we'll be children of the Most High. We'll be like our Heavenly Father. We'll be like Jesus who is kind and ungrateful, who is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. What, what he's really saying, what Jesus is saying, love your enemies because I want you to have the same mercy and compassion and love that I had for those evil, wicked, sinful people around me. I want you to have that same compassion. For those evil, wicked, sinful people around you. I want you to have that same equal, that equal amount of compassion and mercy that I had for you, wicked, sinful person. I want you to have that for those around you who are just like you, wicked and sinful. That's what he's calling us to. And that's the developing of the character of God within us. Again, it's the easy way, the natural way, to avoid the risk, to flee from the pain, or to respond likewise to hatred. But all those lead to death. And Jesus wants to lead us to life. He's showing us in our, just saying, this is crazy. Some of you now, I mean, you've got a grudge on somebody else and you're holding on to it. You want to keep it? You, you want to keep that grudge? You don't want to let go of it. Let's see it, feel it, and recognize and weep for how much you need Jesus. Yeah? Weep, cry, blessed. And let that lead you, that hunger for Jesus, because the only way it's going to happen, the only way it's going to lead to life. Now, you could easily be saying to me, you know, who are you? You're some privileged, firstborn, southern boy. Had a silver spoon in your mouth from the beginning. Now, you're right. That's true. So don't listen to me. Listen to Jesus. Listen to him. At least in what I've encountered, in the few ways that I have encountered evil around me. When I release that vengeance and that self-righteousness and seek to love the one who wants to hurt me. It's freedom. That's life. That's good news to the poor. But you don't have to just listen to me. Just a story I want to share with you. Um, just a little video Story of just a remarkable story of one who was wronged, had life stolen from him in some ways, and how he responded through Jesus. New computer, so the video's been uh, playing around. We're going to see if it will uh, it'll work for us. Amen. And we amen. end this week with a lesson in forgiveness from Steve Hartman on the road. It all went down on this block in Benton Harbor, Michigan. Back in 05, Jamel McGee says he was minding his own business when a police officer accused him of and arrested him for dealing drugs. You're saying the officer made it up? Yeah, it was all made up. Of course, a lot of accused men make that claim. 
but not many arresting officers agree. So you phonied the report? I did. I falsified the report. This is former Benton Harbor police officer Andrew Collins. Were you just trying to chalk up an arrest? Now basically, the start of that day, I was going to make sure I had another drug arrest. And in the end, you put an innocent guy in jail? Correct. Yeah. You lost everything. I lost everything. My only goal was to seek him when I got home and to hurt him. Really? That was my goal. Eventually, that crooked cop was caught, served a year and a half for falsifying many police reports, planting drugs and stealing. Of course, Jamal was exonerated, but he still spent four years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. Today, both men are back here in Benton Harbor, which is a small town, maybe a little too small. Hey, guys, thank you. Last year, by sheer coincidence, they both ended up at Mosaic, a faith-based employment agency where they now work side-by-side side in the same cafe. Oh, excuse me. And it was in these cramped quarters that the bad cop and the wrongfully accused had no choice but to have it out. And I said, honestly, I have no explanation. All I can do is say I'm sorry. And Jamel says that was all it took. That was pretty much what I needed to hear. Today, they're not only cordial. Saturday, we went to the trampoline park. They're friends. Uh, you know, we talk about life. Such close friends. Not long ago, Jamel actually told Andrew he loved him. And I just started weeping because he doesn't owe me that. Uh, he, I don't deserve that, you know? Did you forgive for his sake or for yours? No, for our sake. Not just us, for our sake. Jamel went on to tell me about his Christian faith and his hope for a kinder <laughs> mankind. He wants to be an example. So now he and Andrew give speeches together about the importance of forgiveness and redemption. I'll grab this one, set it over there. And clearly, if these two guys from the coffee shop can set aside their bitter grounds, what's our excuse? Steve Hartman, on the road, in Benton Harbor, Michigan. Think Jamel's been hanging out with Jesus? It's the only way. It's the only way that happens. He had four years of his life. And on top of that, the cop only got a year and a half. What, what didn't tell you is that both of them came to Christ while in jail. And... During that, that time, they had a lot of time to spend with Jesus. And they found life. I mean, life to the full. I mean, you see, it, it seems cattywampus. It's totally counterintuitive that you walk in to the hatred with love. But that's what brings life. Jesus goes on in, in the passage. He, he highlights one other thing where I said, when we spotlight our own sin, not the sins of others. I think it's related to what it means to love our enemies, is that we spotlight our own sin, not the sins of our friends or our others, or, the, or others around us, or our enemies. Um, in uh, verse 40, 
He uh, continues, A disciple is not above the teacher, but everyone who's fully qualified will be like the teacher. See, again, he's making us like him. That's the whole point of discipleship. It's the whole point of walking with Jesus, to be formed more and more like him. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, friend, let me take out the speck in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye. Then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. The spotlight is on my sin, not yours. Whenever, whenever I see myself, whenever we see ourselves taking that spotlight and turning it on judgment on others, that's a clarion call. Hey, beep, 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 turn that spotlight back on you. That's what leads to life. And that's what shows us our own poverty. That leads us to weep for Jesus and to be hungry for Him and to live in His grace and mercy. Ran across an interesting phrase in looking uh, at this called uh, illusory superiority. Illusory superiority means like an illusion. The illusion of superiority, particularly an American issue, is quite interesting in looking at this um, because an example of this. You have this illusion that we're superior to others around us. For example, 84% of Americans believe they're above average drivers. I'll let you do the math on that. You know, last I checked, that's mathematically impossible. But 84% of us think that we are. And that way we drive around blaming everybody else instead of realizing uh, that we're hell on wheels. In terms of loving our enemies... Our focus, if our focus is on their sin, which is what it is, and their evil, if our focus is there, then we'll never move beyond. In, in life, if our focus is on the sin of our friends, because that helps make us look better, then we'll never move beyond. We'll never see our own sin. We'll never be blessedly poor and blessedly weeping and blessedly hungry. Here's the thing. From this, don't try to go be more loving. Don't try to be less judgmental. Don't do that. Don't, don't try to do that in your own power. Just go spend time with Jesus. Right? Just, just go spend time with Him and let Him work in you His love and His sight and His vision. I mean, this, this whole summer, we're reading through the book of Luke. You know, if you want that life, you want the, the, the freedom from that anger and hatred, you want the freedom of that judgmental spirit, then go hang with Jesus and study Him. Be with Him. Read through Luke. And, and if you're not reading through Luke now, why not? What else is more important? And, and if you, in your rebellion, you're just not going to read through Luke, great. Read through Mark or, or Matthew or John. 
You know, but spend time with Jesus. Let Him change you. Because it's just not something that we're going to do in our own power. We don't want the illusory superiority to blind us to the squeaking brakes in our own lives. Because then that stops us from running, running to Jesus. Let's hang out with Him and be blessed. Be blessed in our poverty. Be blessed in our weeping. Be be blessed in our hunger. Because then we run to Him. And we seek Him. We let Him live in and through us. And that is life freed from hatred. Freed from anger. Freed from a judgmental spirit. That's life in Christ. Amen.